Our God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Welcome to The God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. Today we're talking about the Lord's Supper. Yes, we are. Holy Communion. The Eucharist. The uh, Sacrament of the Altar. That's the Lutheran name. Yeah. Very nice. Are there any other words? Uh, those are th- those will do. Okay. So anyway, we're talking about that. If you want to get a hold of us on email, Bill, how do they do that? That would be godwhispers at gmail.com. And uh, our website www.godwhisperers.com. And if you want to call us, you can dial Manly Doctors 13. Now, <laughs> I was just thinking I needed to look that up again, and I didn't do it. And uh, my internet here is comes. too slow. Here, here it comes. Manly DRS 13. 13. Yeah. Well, your internet is slow you, here. This well, is... you should see mine at home. It we're, just crawls. We're cr- I just got I got Fios <clears throat> at home, and boy, does that scream. I know. You've gotten spoiled. Man, is that nice. Now our regular phone... DSL is like, like dial-up to you. Oh, yeah. Our, our phone number is 626-593-7713. 626-593-7713. Or... Manly Durs 13. Manly Doctors 13. I like that. That's right. Considering neither one of us has a doctorate, but that's okay. Quick uh, shout out to uh, our friends over at New Reformation Press. Yes. Dot com. Is it dot com or dot org? Uh, dot com. No, New, Re- New Reformation Press dot com. Dot all com, run right. together. Because they are a for profit. Yes. Oh, is that? Well, I don't. Okay. Um, great stuff, though. Uh, Reformation, Reformation-oriented products, uh, including some great lectures by Rod Rosenblatt, our good friend. Uh, and what's that father's talk that they do? Yeah, he's. They've got a new does. one up that is a. I like the title of that one a when, lot. When the when a good father dies, it's he's always too young, or it's something, always too soon, too or soon, something, like something, that. something like that. Great, but, uh, great, and also the gospel for those who you know, have been what broken beaten, by the beaten, church, battered, beaten, broken abused. by the church. Yes, but yeah, uh, good, good, good material there, as well as some uh, out of print now, now reprinted uh, books. Uh, yeah, Sarnavara's uh, uh, baptism. Yeah, baptism uh, book there, uh, scriptural baptism. Mm-hmm. That's a that's called. a that's a particularly good one, and also I think Hordern's uh, book on grace too. I think yeah, I saw that. On, I've seen on Hordern there, as well as a bunch of uh, clothing T-shirts. It's all at newreformationpress.com. Maybe one of these days they'll pay us to say that. But I'm waiting for it's a free a start. T-shirt. A free, yeah. Just, just a free T-shirt would be good. Yeah, I'll take the Rod lecture for free on Fathers. Oh, um, there you it's go. It's a little wish list. We're yeah. going to put this down on our wish list. Let's see if it comes through. They they uh, they had a run of T-shirts that turned out kind of <laughs> wrong, so I know they've got a stack of those <laughs> sitting around. And <laughs> yeah, I have a I have one of those Luther Seal hats that's in in like extra large, but it strangles my head. Now don't go saying what I know what you're thinking. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. It's undersized. I, you know it's undersized. It, that's that's, that's a, a softball. softball. Yeah, that's, a, that's an underhand yeah. lob. You're not going to go there. I'll let the folks at home fill that one in. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you're having a good week. You got your voice back. I, I do, but I have a, a little bit of a sore throat today because I had a cigar with a friend last night. That'll so do it. It was self-inflicted, but worth it. <laughs> Very worth it. Social laryngitis. Yeah. yeah that, that'll happen. You got it. Now, you're a preacher, though. You have to conserve your voice. That's why I don't do that on Saturdays. 
Ah, no cigars on Saturday. No cigars Saturday night. Is no. that like the no sex on Saturday rule too? Uh, that's, remember, Doctor Brighton had a thing on that. He, uh, he had a, he yeah, had... I do remember him talking uh-huh. about that. I, but I, I, was... I, I conveniently tuned him out on that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Just close your ears. <laughs> I didn't hear Brothers. that. Yeah, he'd he'd be the kind. Uh, he he'd certainly have an opinion on sex on Saturday. Yes, too, he but... does. Got to conserve your strength for preaching. I always remember that. I have two weaknesses. <laughs> Careful. Oh, yeah. Red cars and beautiful women. Red <laughs> fast, sports cars. Fast. That's red right. Cars. Red sports cars. Yeah, no, he, and beautiful women. He liked his automobiles. Uh, we <laughs> have a, guy, we have an email from a listener, and I'm not gonna not gonna mention uh, his name, even his first name here. But but he had um, it is a long email and uh, was really seeking our advice and opinion in terms of looking for church and and this kind of thing. But he had some specific questions at the end, and I thought it'd be fun to just uh, toss those out before we get started on our topic. And that is, uh, he wanted to know, what can I expect my experience in a Lutheran local church to be like? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's, that's, boy, that's a rough one. Uh, It, it. Be prepared for anything. That's all I can say is, is, is be prepared for anything. Yeah. A lot of it depends on where you are. I, he doesn't, I, at least I haven't, I, I got to go through the body of the email in detail, but I'm not sure exactly where he is. But a lot depends on, on what part of the country you're in, rural, urban, that kind of thing. That's going to vary the experience a little bit too. Midwest, coast. Yeah. Uh, New England. If you're in New England, you're you're running a pretty good chance of finding a liturgical congregation. They they love their tradition there. Yeah, I've noticed that even even uh, the the so-called quote liberal Lutherans unquote quite liturgical on the on yeah, the East Coast. Yeah, and uh, I I was in that district, the New England district, and uh, we had I think seventy churches, and out of the seventy. I think maybe two had a praise band. Oh yeah, now West Coast is a little bit different. Uh, you can it's praise band palooza. One one thing you can one thing you can anticipate is a, a, a collection of really bad praise bands. <laughs> yes, you know a, a Lutheran praise band is a little bit like a white reggae band. It just doesn't quite yeah, work. It, yeah, you know, these are mostly Germans, and if you can't march to it, they just don't do yeah, it. Yeah, no, we, we know, don't. It's just don't. not quite right. But uh, local church is local church. It's 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 the local collection of uh, you know sinner saints. So you get what you get. But uh, uh, I guess my only advice is you gotta gotta view them as uh, sinners redeemed for Jesus' sake and cut them a lot of slack. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know the other thing is I would say also is is that Lutheranism on paper and Lutheranism in practice can sometimes be wildly different. Boy. Isn't and, that the and truth? And so, if you've learned Lutheranism from the Book of Concord, uh, or even from listening listening to the God Whispers, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure what you learn on this show. But uh, don't expect the local church to to reflect that necessarily. Right? You, you know, it might. It, it uh, might. But don't don't. A lot. A lot that. of my friends and I came over from evangelicalism, and uh, we we came in because we read the Book of Concord and Mueller's Dogmatics and. And some other stuff like that. And uh, when we got here, we were hard pressed to find a church that actually seemed to believe what converted us in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's a little <laughs> daunting. I, I don't have. I appreciate that. I don't have that experience because I just grew up in it. Yeah. And I learned. I learned the Book of Concord after many, many years of 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 you know being instructed as a Lutheran, worshiping as a Lutheran. And I do have to say, I had a really good congregation growing up. There's nothing that I've learned subsequently. That uh, that I've had to retool from those days. Um, however, it mine's the opposite experience. I experienced it first and then learned about it later. And 
Yeah, it, it, it could be rough out there. Uh, he wants to know what are the nuances and subtleties of Lutheranism that I, as a prospective convert, need to be aware of. Uh, I'm curious. I, I haven't read this email yet. Does does he say where he's converting from? Uh, Catholicism, uh, I think. Uh, let me let me go back and, and see. Oh yeah, I was drawn out of Catholicism into evangelical Protestant. Ah, okay. Dumb. Yeah, he's yeah he kind of kind of popped out of Catholicism and is kind of wandering around Protestantism, and then then he's attracted to Lutheranism, and so he wants to kind of know what the ins and outs of that are. Subtleties of Lutheranism. You know, Lutheranism is not being Protestant. It really is not. And if it's firing on all six cylinders, it should it should look more Catholic than it looks Baptist. Um, you know, I hate to say that because I know we have a lot of a lot of fellow churches and brother pastors that probably look more evangelical than they look Catholic. But, but the theology should not sound like the Roman Catholics. No, that's the thing. You know, I like the I like the title evangelical Catholic, although it's right. been a little bit co opted. But but I think that's still a good description. Is that we ought to kind of look look like Catholics but sound like evangelicals. To, a, well, to an extent. What evangelicalism today uh, has become has very little to do with the euangelion, the gospel. Oh, uh, yeah, it's from the Greek around Well, us, we, that's where it comes from. But um, the gospel, as we understand it, is, is uh, well, I, I'm, I'm trying to word this without using geeky theological language, but there are two religions, the religion of God, the religion of man. One, God does everything, and the other one... Man is very involved with uh, with saving himself. We properly should look like a church that points to Jesus for everything and to ourselves for only our sin. Yeah, I mean, when I say evangelical, I it, I, I think I what I mean is gospel centered. Now I know that that's as a, a denomination or a church body. That's a or just you know a confession. <clears throat> that's a different thing. Uh, certainly shouldn't hear altar calls. <laughs> no, unless if uh, we're serving unless, communion now. Un- un- come on unless down. it's a call to the altar to receive <laughs> the Lord's Supper, which we hopefully will talk about at some point uh, today. Um, yeah, that, that's a tough one. Nuances and subtleties. I, I, I think one of the one of the one of the big misunderstandings is that Lutherans are Protestants, and and we are only in the most broad possible way. To a Catholic, we are. Uh, but we are evangelical Catholics, and and especially our worship ought to look uh, pretty Roman Catholic. Uh, right. Uh, there there should be no self-atoning involved in a Lutheran church. There should be uh, little emphasis on the self except for our sin. And uh, as far as our personal decisions and our good works and all of that, well, that doesn't count for a whole lot in our circles. Uh, we are saved unto good works, but certainly not by good works, by any stretch of the imagination. So our works are only an outgrowth of what God has done in us. A good tree bears good fruit. You don't stand outside and yell at a tree and tell it to bear good fruit. It's a good tree. It just does it. And so uh, with good works and, uh, and Christianity, if you're a Christian, the good works will just follow. And that happens simply by focusing on what Christ has done for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and he is the one who's done it all. So that would be a very, very strong distinction and nuance that you would find in a Lutheran church versus a Roman Catholic church or most mainline evangelical churches. Now, in the mainline evangelical churches, you will hear a sermon that goes like this, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And you say, great. And then at the end of the service, what happens? Now, if you want to invite Jesus into your heart, here's what you have to do. <laughs> There's your nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Which pretty much negates the whole sermon yeah. that you heard earlier that sounded fantastic. 
And, you know, so you have to look at the whole thing, you know, how does this theology play out? You know, that, that's one of the things about experiencing Lutheranism, too, is that you, you can't just kind of uh, stick your toe in the Lutheran water and expect to sort of get it. Um, I, I, you really need to hear a bunch of teaching. I would recommend that, that uh, even if it's not required before you, you really sort of make yourself at home, take, take whatever kind of a member class or a catechetical class that they have and, and listen very carefully and ask every question you can think of and, and uh, you know, just, just push things really hard to, uh, to find out, you know, how these things fit together because it's, it's, it's not necessarily simple. Well, and yet the gospel yet, is incredibly simple yeah, at the same time. Yeah, it is, but it is and it isn't because, because it goes against our intuition. I think. I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is is and and a lot of a lot of people, especially if you've come out of Catholicism, a lot of people have uh, the sort of the anti reflex, like uh, ex smokers. It's like you you have that, Craig. You 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 will jump on an, an evangelical thing. Like I, you know, when I when I say we sound like evangelicals, you go, "Oh no, we don't." Um, <laughs> and uh, but but you don't you you don't mind at all uh, our resemblances to Roman Catholicism because you weren't beaten by nuns as no. a kid and that yeah, kind of stuff. Right. So you know, it all depends what you're kind of coming out of too. But um, you know, recognize that outwardly we we wear we wear vestments. We use the the, the liturgy. We use a similar lectionary. Uh, we may chant. Uh, uh, Lutherans sing better than Catholics in general, so that you know wow. that, that's oh, Catholics can't. You sing. mean in the pews? Yeah, yeah. Holy because smokes! I've heard a lot Have of you ever been to pastors a... that croak through the liturgy? It's oh yeah, oh, they sound like they come from the Elmer Fudd school of <laughs> chanting. There, <laughs> oh Lord, open my whips. You know, it's just, it is terrible. Um, but no, I'm talking about. You ever sat in the pews in a mass? Man, alive, oh, yeah. nobody sings in the yeah. Catholic churches. Yeah, it's mumbling. They'll even admit that. So it's yeah. always fun to be a Lutheran in a mass because you know you're just blasting away, and, and everybody's kind of <laughs> looking at you like you're sort of strange. But one of the other things that I'd like to point out here also is that a Lutheran church that's doing it right is a church for the dying, not for the living. And, yeah, and, some look pretty dead too. They're, they're... <laughs> and what I mean by that is, most of your evangelical churches are about better living here on earth, better, you know, prosperity, uh, twelve steps to happy family living, Jesus as your financial guru, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's all stuff for here on earth. But in a Lutheran church, we are acutely aware that this world is passing away, and that Christ is returning soon, either bodily or through the grave we're going to see Jesus real soon. And so we are a faith that is comforting on your deathbed, not so much here on in this life, because, uh, you know, we're not necessarily going to get fat and rich off this gospel. Uh, third question he asks is, how is the LCMS different from the ELCA? Um, that's the difference between <clears throat> liberal and conservative, and I don't mean politically. It, it's, it, it has nothing to do with your politics. Although, I bet you find more Democrats in the ELCA than you do in the LCMS, by and large, but that's coincidental. Um, it, it, but it's it's basically how you approach being Lutheran. Um, the ELCA tends to be very ecumenical, means that they're reaching out wherever they can reach out and uh, form ties with people, even with whom they disagree. Their, their kind of philosophy is agree to disagree or reconcile diversity, uh, whereas the LCMS is very conservative in the Lutheran confessions, you know, that we really think those are worth hanging on to, and uh, they kind of uh, guide and govern our life together. I will give you this, though. There are some very solid ELCA churches that are still holding out, and this merger happened in the 80s, and some of these churches were conservative before, and they've kind of maintained their their tone, but it, it's, you know, spotty here and there. One of the other things is that 
uh, the ELCA has formed alliances with other church bodies, so you could actually go into an ELCA church and have a, a Presbyterian Church USA pastor or a UCC pastor or an Episcopalian pastor. And you know, she will... Uh, <laughs> she will show yeah. you her girlfriend. <laughs> nice. Yeah, she'll introduce you to her girlfriend. And, That's probably <laughs> the biggest front-running thing. You know, you can highlight a lot of stuff. But I think the biggest thing that separates us uh, and and illustrates the liberalism versus the conservatism is 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 the ordination of females, and uh, we, we're we're the we're the holdouts among a few other Lutheran bodies that won't ordain women to the pastoral office, and uh, the ELCA does. And this isn't a matter of chauvinism, and it's not a matter of the boys' club or anything like that. It's it's a scriptural matter. Another conversation for another God Whisperers. We'll yep. have the women's ordination edition. Wow, that'll be. We'll, last, we'll have to get a, the a last woman two in are, on that one. Oh gosh, the last two are are quick here. How can I find an LCMS church in my area? Very simple. LCMS.org has a church locator that'll get you started. Go go to the directories and uh, there's a church locator. And then when you go to the church. Look at their links. That's one of the first things that I uh, admonish you to do. And if there isn't a link to the God Whisperers there, they're That's highly it. suspect. Yes, absolutely. That's right. And, uh, of course, that would be my <laughs> church as well, and uh, which is a, a, that htlcms.org, by the way. Um, and then uh, <laughs> we have no links whatsoever. We are link-free. Wow. Our, our website, we refuse to look like a NASCAR, uh, you know, NASCAR driver with all of our endorsements all over. Well, Last on my question. church website, we like to refer people to useless things like the Book of Concord. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's good, actually. You know, the small catechism, yeah. some yeah. other stuff like that's that. That's not so. a bad idea. We need to, I need to look into that. Anyway, last question. Is there anyone or anywhere I can go to have questions answered and talk in greater detail about the journey that has brought me to this point of so where the best place I can think of is the Wittenberg Trail? Yeah, that is a really good place. Uh, you know, that's been deliberately set up for people I think like this who are are curious, want to know more. Uh, you can engage pastors, informed lady. There are some crazy cousin Eddies floating around Certainly in that are. thing, and uh, and some of them are pastors. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> and so I, I guess my warning is, uh, as with all things on the internet, you know, caveat emptor, buyer beware. Uh, they don't all represent mainstream confessional. Lutheran thinking, but you see, a, there's a very vigorous conversation. And join the God Whisperers endless thread, and you'll, you can <laughs> talk about literally anything. Share <laughs> recipes, post pictures of your cat, whatever. That's a, that's a journey in itself. That's that's Wittenberg Trail <laughs> dot ning n i n g dot com. Absolutely, and uh, you you can uh, join up there and and hope. Hope we see you on the trail. I think it's a great place, though, to bring your questions it and, really to, is, yeah. and to, to get involved in some A lot of resources there also. Yeah, and, and you'll learn the around. players after a while, but there are some truly crazy people oh, on yeah. that thing, And too. we're two of them. We are. So, <laughs> all right. Well, hey, that was almost 20 minutes, so let's uh, – you want to you you take on the uh, Lord's Supper here? No, nah, I'm ready to take a nap. <laughs> Just kind of <laughs> – I am. I'm getting fatigued lately. I This is this – is, this God Whisperer stuff is fatiguing, yeah. too. Have you noticed well, that? Well, at your age, you need a lot of naps. I do. I do. You know, I've, I've taken up exercise again now, so we'll, we'll, see, what, we'll see where that goes. But, uh, uh, why don't we uh, go back to our usual pattern and uh, let the catechism get us on track here. All right. Turn on the light over here. Uh, I will ask you the question. Well, first of all, the sacrament of the altar, as the head of the family, should teach it in a simple way to his household. Nice. What is the sacrament of the altar? I'm glad you asked, Grasshopper. Yes. 
It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine, instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Stop right there. What do you mean by under? <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go with under yet. Well, too late. I already asked. You asked, man. You're taking this out of order, dude. Ooh, they, that's all right. We can do that under. You know, you always hear people say in with and under as if somehow that that fell from the sky on golden plates. And right. that's a formula of concord way of speaking, in with and under. But the catechism and the Augsburg, Augsburg Confession way of speaking is under. Is there a uh, German significance to this? Um, I don't think it's I don't think it's German. I just think it's it's basically it's it's about location and about hiddenness. Okay, and and the under see take take the Lutheran phrase the formula phrase in with and under see each of those things say something a little bit different about is okay when when Jesus says this bread is my body or this cup of wine is my blood uh, these are all different ways of looking at that is the under emphasizes that it's hidden so what you perceive with your senses and your reason is bread. Uh, but under that bread, hidden, is the body of Christ, and you know that only by his word. That's th- that. I ask that because that's usually the first question that I get from catechumens. Oh, really? What do you mean yeah. by under? Yeah, what, under what? So, so like you pick it up and it's just hiding there it, underneath it. Yeah, or well, then should I be eating the plate because the plate's under the bread? <laughs> yeah, the, the, I think, I, if I'm not mistaken, the Augsburg Confession says under the forms of bread and wine. Ah. So now, of course, that emphasizes also that it remains bread and wine. Right. Because the form remains, but hidden under that form is something, you know, that's why, that's why the Greek term mystery or mysterion, a hidden thing that must be revealed. So hidden under the forms of bread and wine are the body and blood of Christ, known only by the word. The word alone is the, the only way we would know that. Okay. Now, the other two, not in the catechism, but in and with, uh, have their own connotations, I think. Uh, in, in tells you where. So the and and see in in would basically rule against uh, the under being kind of you know physically under, so you know you pick up the loaf of bread and there's the body of Christ and that's not the point, um, but in says that we look for the body of Christ in the bread nowhere else but in the bread. You Sounds know, good. Not in heaven, not in your backyard, not not something, but in, in the bread. That's where that's where we find the body of Christ for us, and likewise the blood, and the width. Uh, with is kind of a side-by-side, one thing with another. And, and I think that emphasizes that bread remains bread and wine remains wine. But there is something more to the bread and the wine that meets the reason and the senses. So, so you have kind of, each of those kind of guards against a misunderstanding. Um, it's interesting that most people think that our differences, and we'll get into this in more detail later, that our differences between the Roman Catholics uh, and us in this understanding of the presence of Christ is that transubstantiation in the Roman Catholic Church where it ceases to be bread and wine and becomes only the body and blood of Christ. And a lot of people think that that's really what separates us, and that's not really it. Yeah, although in, in the small called articles, Luther says this is, uh, he dismisses that as as clever sophistry. Yeah, kind of superstitious stuff. No, no, not so much superstitious as over-explanation. You, you look at the history of the Lord's Supper, 2,000-year history ever since you know, our Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. 
Um, and and it's always fallen on the rocks when people try to explain how is can be is. Right. So it's the how that gets in trouble. And and you know we can we're, we're going to talk about that down the road. But transubstantiation, that is the change in substance of one thing into another, is one attempt to explain how, to make sense out of the, the, the phrase, this is my body. And it's not bad. Uh, we, we, you know, we, we would look at it and say, hey, at least, at least the body and blood aren't denied here. Uh, but it's too much. It's saying too yeah. much. And yeah. too much always gets you in trouble in theology. <laughs> so does this, too little. This actually was born out of a debate. Uh, two main players, Red Burtis and Retramnus, and I can't remember, I think the 12th, 12th century. century. yeah. And uh, it was highly political as well as theological. And, and uh, the Roman Catholic Church kind of ended up with transubstantiation because of a lot of uh, political wrangling. <laughs> as much as theological wrangling, so yeah, you know, uh, as far it, the history of it's kind of interesting. As far as I know and understand, I think the Eastern Church uh, just doesn't go there, you know, and and that's that's a great place to be. We just don't go there to try to explain how this bread can be the body of Christ. He says so. That settles it. He's the Lord. He can do whatever he wants, you know. And it comes down to that simple: is means is, you know. Now that doesn't answer anything. It's just a statement that says we don't unpack. How this can be, and the minute you try, you're gonna you're gonna screw it up somehow. Well, yeah, and I, you know, when people really press this, and if they are creationists, I I always like to say, well, how did God speak everything into existence? You know, I mean, what were the mechanics of that? (laughs) And (laughs) he said so, and it was, yeah. So (laughs) or and is actually that's 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 kind of uh, how we accept this in the Lord's Supper is that uh, well. I don't know. Jesus said so. So I'll, I'll take him at his word since he made everything. I, I guess he's able to, to declare this to be what he wants it to be also. I want to put in a plug for this, this sentence that I just read. Yeah. Because I think it's probably the finest sentence in the history of Christianity concerning the Lord's Supper. In, in fact, I, I'd go so far as to say if we could just shut up with this— you could probably eliminate all those books on your bookshelf dealing with the controversies concerning the Lord's Supper because the, the sentence answers everything that we can answer about it. You know, Namely, what is it? It's the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Under what forms do we receive it? We receive it under the forms of bread and wine. Who instituted it? Christ did. It's his word and ordinance that establishes it. Uh, who's it for? Christians. Uh, what are we supposed to do with it? Eat and drink it. Wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to parade it around and worship it. <laughs> well, you know, uh, to eat and to drink, as the words say. And and I think that's really, and we're going to get to this because I, I think this is probably the most important point about the Lord's Supper. It's a great test of of defining the limits of theology. Say no more than the word gives you to say, and say not a syllable less than you can say. When I was a pastor in Connecticut, I uh, was at the hospital visiting someone, and there, there was a Roman Catholic brother who was one of the chaplains. I was sitting there talking to him, and I said, you know, people in your church used to take the wafers home and put them in their garden to make their flowers grow better because Jesus makes things grow better. And he said, I do that. And I was like, no. Oh. <laughs> no, no. Time, time out. Wait, wait, wait. Let's just... I do. He said I do that. that. Yeah. See, see uh, you know, usually when I use that, I get the "that's not really true." We never no, did that. You it know, was but, the "I do that." But you have a you have a living, breathing one there. Isn't <laughs> it? 
So right, right along with Miracle. This is Miracle Grow. I, I was like, oh, egg on my face. Oh, I feel my. Like. <laughs> that's, that's one of those awkward moments where you just kind of want to, you know. Yeah, I was like, uh. Beam me up, Scotty. It's getting uncomfortable down here. Anyway, we got to <laughs> take a break, great. and uh, we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the God Whispers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. I'm Bill Swirla. We're talking about the Lord's Supper today, the very body and blood of Christ given for us to eat and drink. Christians given for Christians. Swirla is waiting for me to say it all. He's just <laughs> sitting here tight-lipped. This is, this is like a catechism exam. <laughs> <laughs> Under the bread and wine given us by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and drink. Yeah, this is my five-point Lutheranism right here. Five, he's, he's a... Five, I'm a five-point Lutheran. It's not a tulip, though. No, no, no. I, I can't think of an acronym yet, but we're not going to try. Yeah, but but the five points are this. It is the it's, true... It's a lot like manly DRS. You know, we got to... <laughs> it, it's, it's the true body and blood of Christ. <clears throat> we say that right up front. That's, that's the main thing. Um, it is under bread and wine, so we're we're acknowledging that uh, in terms of bread and wine, nothing's changed. How's that? In terms of bread and wine, uh, instituted by Christ, which uh, points us to the Word. He institutes with His Word. So if we don't have His Word on it, then we don't have an institution, and it is for us Christians. That is baptized believers. So it's uh, not for dogs, not for mice, not for Buddhists or Muslims or agnostics or whatever else, but for Christians, baptized believers. And it has given us to eat and to drink. It's a meal. Okay, so let me ask you this. So uh, you, you brought up mice or whatever. Mice. What what happens if a mouse uh, climbs up on the altar and starts munching down <laughs> Run, on this? Runs off with <laughs> You know, a lot <laughs> what, of the, What is he getting? A lot of altar architecture is designed to basically ward off animal life. Oh yeah. yeah. You know the, the, the veil the, and everything. The veil, the yeah. baldachines, these these kind of these these uh tent like structures yeah, around you have the altar. That on your, on, no, not like, anymore. You got rid of the yeah. tent, of the pup tent there? Yeah, the, the tent's gone. Wow. Yeah, we, we got rid of it. When man, did you get rid of that? That was just a nasty thing. Oh, quite a long time ago actually. Last time it's been a while now. When we when we we put the organ in, it was about uh, three years ago. Wow, now I am not observant. Yeah, you, and you've actually been. You, I've been you've, there you, several you times. You have been in that space and have not noticed that the hovering cloud has gone. Yeah, but that's a sort of a vestigal baldachine, which is a, a. It's kind of like the. It's the same as the roof over a throne of a king, basically to keep the birds from pooping on his head. Yeah, that and the idea stuff. was the same in these big cathedrals. If you have ever been to like a you know big old European cathedral. These things are massive, and, and, and you have birds. You know, even the sparrow finds a place in which to raise her young. Sure. And, uh, and that sometimes involves them sort of dropping. And so to cover the, protect the altar and everything, you, you got these, these coverings and that. So, and, and, of course, the other symbolic reason is, you know, Christ is enthroned there, so you got to make it look like a throne. And, and there's all kinds of ways visually that, that, that people do that. But it serves the practical purpose of yeah. Oh, our friend Ian Pacey, who was doing his doctorate in liturgics, uh, he was telling me about the veil was to uh, also the birds and flies and stuff like that. Yeah, and And, all the ways they have to cover things. And then we we assign a holy thing to it. Now it's holy. Well, (laughs) yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, 
giving it religious symbolism, you right? Know? And, and and as long as it teaches something worthwhile, but but you got to remember we're kind of making that up on the fly, right? A lot of times there's practical reasons. Birds, uh, yes, about mice. Uh, I I like to just go back to the words and say it was given for us Christians, not given to mice. I got nothing to say about the mouse. <laughs> That's it. Well, what are they receiving? It's, what, what are they not, it's irrelevant. It's just it's, 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 it, the mouse isn't even on the radar screen. And, and, of course, we're going to, out of respect for the sacrament, the body and blood of Christ, we're going to do uh, everything possible not to you know drop it and have mice carting it off. You're so. running off with our Jesus. Come <laughs> yeah, back well, here. That's right. <laughs> Swat that sucker. Now, there, um, there are stories about Luther. Sp- or, you know, I don't know if he spilled the chalice or yeah, someone he did. else. But no, he spilled he, the chalice. He got down on all fours and lapped licked it, it up. Licked it right off the floor. I heard another story about, uh, yeah, the floorboards ripped up and burned. Hadn't heard that time. one. I'm, yeah. I'm, familiar with, uh, I'm familiar with him getting down on all fours and, and, and uh, now, literally Was this up. pre or post? Post uh, uh, excommunication from Rome, I post guess. late, okay. late, late Luther. Everybody kind of wow. when I bring that when I bring that up, sometimes people say, "Oh, that's early Luther, and he hadn't broken free of the shackles of Catholicism yet." Uh, no, it's actually late, and and he he is very very adamant about these things. Uh, right, that that these are to be treated uh, as 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 holy things, and uh, yeah, he. <laughs> He had a very high reverence for the sacrament. Now, what do you do when, uh, say, you're you're serving communion and, and you're going along with the chalice, and uh, somebody grabs it and kind of you know dumps a little bit and that sort of thing? How, how do you deal with that? What the person? I I, I, start I, I smack him. him. Yeah. No. <laughs> what do you think <laughs> you're doing? How dare you? Um, no. If there's if there are spills or something, yeah. and, and and I I mean my visceral. I have a reflex. It just it's like a gasp. Yeah, you know, I, I do too. I, I, I have. He's like, oh, sorry, Lord. Now, only one time <laughs> in 16 years have I ever spilled the chalice, and it was prior to the consecration. I was setting things up, and I just made this horrible mess. Ah. But it doesn't raise the issues that you're raising here. It no. just makes a big, horrible mess. Yeah. Um, but even then, my reaction was was one of just just. I mean, you gasp at this. Well, thing. that's usually the altar guild is going to kill me now. <laughs> yeah, right. The horror of of the 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 night of the living altar guild. Um, yeah, there's there's there. That's that's the that's one notch below the fear of the Lord is the fear of the altar guild. But uh, I have on occasion dropped the host that is the bread that is the body of Christ right. during the distribution. Yeah. and and again. And sometimes I say the goofiest things because it is just it's 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 embarrassing, it's frightening, it's 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 you just don't I want can hear these you. things Good to happen. Good going, yeah, right. Good going, Ace. <laughs> no. It's usually something like "Oh no," <laughs> yeah. or um, one time, one time. It, sometimes I, I wear a band aid on my thumb because I, I my thumbs are all chewed up all the yeah, time. Yeah, I and, try and not to do they that. They just look yeah. so gnarly. So so I put the and if you use those cloth band aids, which are really nice and stay sticky. But they tend to give away what the take back what the Lord hath given, oh. you know. So you, you go and you, 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 especially when you try to put it on on people's tongues, and then and then you you end up uh, taking it back again. And and uh, I had one occasion where it just fell on somebody on a woman's sweater in in a very bad place. Yeah. And but the sweater was very staticky, and it just kind of it just kind of stuck there. And 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 the first thing out of my mouth was, "You need to get that." <laughs> And and she started. It was funny because she's a very very pious woman, and uh, 
and she just started laughing uncontrollably. And she was—you could watch every fiber in her being trying to trying to recompose herself, and I'm trying to recompose. Her. And I'm just thinking, you know, God understands. God yeah, knows this that yeah. that Jesus has entrusted this this precious, sacred, holy gift in the hands of of basically idiots, you know, <laughs> and and fumble fingered idiots. And he knows this ahead of time. I, I had one lady I was giving the chalice to. And she kind of clamped down with her upper teeth. They were dentures. And I started to pull the chalice mm. back, and her teeth were coming with oh, it. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this, <laughs> this is what gives you nightmares on Monday morning, Monday, uh, you know, Monday night. They didn't but, fall in or anything, but oh, I, I, you man. know, it was all in slow motion. And yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> this, this went on for 10 minutes in your brain. Um, but to answer your question, these things are dealt with um, quickly, reverently. And without with drawing as minimum attention as possible, because in my mind the 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 big thing is the distraction of the communicant and not yeah. doing anything. And here's the bottom. This is the Lutheran bottom line. And uh, I, I don't know. You tell me what you think of this, but it's never do anything that would cause somebody to question that this is the body and the blood of Christ. Sounds like a good good axiom there. You know, because it's so unbelievable. Yeah. In rational terms. That I, that everything we do, our behavior, our actions, just our mannerisms, all ought to reinforce the idea that we are taking Christ at His word, and we really do believe this bread is His body and this wine is His blood. I, I'll be honest; there have been weeks where I, I'm up front, I'm consecrating the elements, I'm saying the words of institution. Jesus said, "Take eat, this is my body," and my mind is screaming, "Really? <laughs> <laughs> Serious?" Yep. Really? Sure. Or, you know, that little voice saying, you don't really believe that. Yeah, Yeah, that's nuts. And uh, (laughs) it's time to throw ink bottles at the devil there. Right. But it is, and that's the thing. I I think a lot of Eucharistic piety, a lot of the piety that grows up around the Lord's Supper, like what do you do with leftover elements, and that is, is governed by what do we believe about the sacrament, and not to do anything that would create doubt or hesitancy on the part, especially of the weak, the people who are hearing that voice constantly saying, you know, hey, I know that bread is not the body of Jesus, okay? Right. And, and, and so, um, you know, how we handle these things and, and to handle them as holy things with reverence, and, and that is, I think, very, very important. Again, without saying too much or saying too little. This brings up one of Luther's problems with uh, the Roman Catholic Church of his time, and it still goes on, is the Corpus Christi parades, where uh, you would basically have a cross, uh, you know, processional cross, and in the cross would be... You, well, it's uh, not really a cross, it's called a monstrance. There you go. And it's just, just a pole with a holder, very adorned, kind of, almost looks like a sun. Isn't it usually... A- I don't sun. No, and then, I don't. Th- it's, it's more like a sun. It's not anyway, like a cross, and, and it's got it's, it's got, got the a consecrated in the yeah. host in the middle of it, and and <clears> it's paraded around and adored and prayed to, and yeah, it's, and that's still done. And that, by the way, that's what Corpus Christi means, as right. in Corpus Christi, Texas, right. you know, body of Christ, right? And uh, Luther basically came to the conclusion that's not what it's for. That that's not why Jesus gave it. Well, the he Lutherans didn't... refused, and in Augsburg in fifteen thirty, they refused to participate in in that feast and that per, that procession. You know, is through the town, um, and they 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 refused to participate in that and objected to it. It's being done in in view of the uh, you know the ensuing discussions and that. It's not the big thing. 
of Lutherans and, 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 and the papal Catholics. The big thing is the idea that the Lord's Supper is in some fashion a sacrifice. Right, yeah, that's the big one. Where, where the priest as a stand-in for Christ is offering the body and the blood of Christ in some unbloody representation uh, to the Father for the sins of the world. You know? So in other words, the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is being represented in some sort of mystical way. Which is 180 degrees opposite of our theology, where God is giving us Christ every week uh, in the Roman Catholic Mass, we are giving God Christ every week. Is that a fair way of saying it? Say that again. I, I would. Uh, 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 I lost in, that. in the Lutheran world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God is giving us Christ. Luther world. <laughs> God. Every, God is giving every, us Christ every okay. time Christ that Christ is we, giving Himself. Right. Part, partake of the sacrament. We wow. are receiving Christ. Yeah. But in this other scheme, we are giving God Christ as an atonement for our sins. Or the priest is, yeah. Well, the the priest on our behalf. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Now, now of course, bear in mind that that there probably isn't a, you know, there isn't a breathing catholic around with a pulse who's going to deny that they eat and that they receive the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. That is if they if they actually receive the cup. The cup is is kind of an optional thing in Western Catholic right. uh, practice, and that that goes back to some some things back in the 11th century. Well, you, you so. aren't responsible enough to handle the, the. You know, you might spill that one. Well, the, yeah, you know, it, <laughs> from everything that I've read, it was actually the laity that withdrew from the cup. Really? Yeah. That that uh, again, the fear of spilling, the veneration of the right. blood of Christ. Yeah. And and it kind of gets to what you what you talked about before is is uh, the fear of of crumbs of spilling you know when one believes that this is the body and blood of Christ then there's a certain amount of scandal in terms of uh, spills cause that gasp of horror you know and and uh, so to avoid that and, and some of these chalices were un, unwieldy they oh were yeah huge. sure yeah. Uh, just to avoid all of that, uh, they just withdrew from that, and then doctrines kind of grew up around that. Like you just you receive the same blessing through one as through the other. You know that's called the doctrine of concomitance, um, or um, you know the idea then became it became a mark of the clergy, so that only only the priests uh, received the cup and and the laity received the bread only. Well, it was kind of the logic that uh, that Shakespearean logic. You can have your pound of flesh, but you can't spill a drop of blood. Mm. And the understanding that you can't have one without the other, right? So if I'm receiving the body of Christ in some way, I have to be receiving the blood. Is that a fair way of saying it? I, no, I don't. I, the 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 body as bread was a little easier to handle, especially as stamped out wafers. Uh, and you know, even which, there, which is dubious as bread in the first place. But <laughs> well, I have a reformed friend who always likes to joke. He says, "I find it easier to believe that that bread is the body of Christ than that wafer is actually bread." <laughs> <laughs> but, but see, in in part, it made distribution a lot safer and and easier. And uh, even the move from putting it into people's hands to putting it uh, directly in their mouths was was more to ensure that it wouldn't get dropped or mishandled in some way, and that you know you wouldn't have to deal with the scandal of you know a crumb falling to the floor and a mouse running off with it and all this other stuff that goes <laughs> with it. So you know a, a lot of these practices flow out of veneration for the body and blood of Christ, and and uh, you know we have to be careful not to overly criticize those because. I think today we drive in the opposite ditch of uh, being rather cavalier around the right. holy things, yeah. and and you know I've just seen too much kind of yucking it up 
uh, at both at the altar and in the sacristy and everything else. And that's just not good for uh, people's faith to be treating holy things in an ordinary way. I, I'm curious uh, what exactly you mean by that, because I tend to see the altar as a place of joy where people should come smiling, not flat, you know, not beating themselves and that sort of thing. And uh, when little children come up, I, I greet them with a smile and sometimes a little wave, you know, welcoming, welcoming them to the table for a blessing and so forth and so on. Um, I'm you not know, thinking it, so it, much of that stuff, although, I mean, I have opinions about that too. I, I think the approach to the altar should be one of reverence. Um, not, it's not, not self-flagellation like you're talking about, but it's also not, it, it, this isn't a giddy place either. I think fear, uh, holy fear and, and reverence and awe before really the greatest mystery of the faith. Uh, because I mean, this is, this is the sacrificial gift. Um, you know, body and blood implies sacrifice. When, 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 when the sacrificial uh, victim is offered, the blood is separated from the body. And so that, that's, that's what we're receiving is the gift of Calvary's sacrifice um, upon the altar given into our mouths as, as, as food and drink. I would approach the Lord's Supper in the exact same way I would approach the cross of Calvary. And yet we are partaking in the feast. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's, 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 we say proleptic or anticipatory of that, but it's still under the cross. Um, the, the marriage feast of the Lamb, or we could talk about a foretaste of the feast to come. Uh, it's this side of death and this side of the cross, which indicates, which means that it is, it is received uh, with suffering, with persecution, with hardship, and great danger. And it's always under that the polar tension of the law and the gospel. You can eat and drink this to your judgment. And so there's, you know, there's the, that's this side of, of, of the eschaton. Then that's what makes it a foretaste and not actually the full blast feast itself. So I would say that, that one ought to approach the Lord's Supper in exactly the same way. If you could, you, you would approach that hill outside of Jerusalem and, and, and find your savior hanging, bleeding, dying on the cross. Um, that, that would probably be the, uh, the, because it is the same gift. The, that's the sacrament of sacraments, is is dead Jesus hanging on the cross. That's why we have a crucifix in our church. Why you Germans are such downers. It's not a German thing. It's, it's just a Christian you thing. You need a little that's... Italian joy. That's a little vino, a little cigar, you know, kick your feet up and relax a little. Well, um, you know, were it not for Calvary, there would be no kick your feet up. Have <laughs> that's joy. the point, so, yeah, exactly, right, is right. that, you know, I'm partaking in the feast. This is a, a place of great joy because I know that my salvation has come to me here and that, uh, you know, this is a glad thing. But, you know, I'll let you suck the joy out of it. Go ahead. That's that's fine. I think I've succeeded. Uh, not, yeah. Actually, the joy in the Bible is different than happiness. Um, and, and, you know, because joy always is accompanied with suffering. And uh, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. So, so joy and suffering come together uh, in, in the cross, and also for the Christian as well. Um, our joy is to be persecuted uh, for the faith. That, that's, uh, Jesus says to rejoice and be glad uh, when, we, when we suffer for his namesake, because we're being treated as, as the prophets who also bore the word uh, but there's no notion of happy this side of this side of the eschaton. That that's to come, and and I'm looking forward to it. But I really don't see much of it now. 
I think there's a slight misnomer that a lot of people think that you can't have reverence with a smile on your face. I, th- I think you can be reverent with a smile on your face, but we'll take this up another Depends time. Depends on the face. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Excuse my cough. Okay, where are we going now? Oh, we, well, we, now that we've got we the, the five uh, things reverence, here, joy, yeah. the, the swirl of five points. Yeah. You know, probably the, the, the best place to go at this point would be, where is this written? Because before we say too much more, I think we have to hear from the Lord. Right. And and I think I think that might be the next place to go. And I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'll, I'll I'll ask that famous question. There there are two great questions of the Catechism, right? Where is this written, and what does this mean? Right. And uh, boy, I tell you, if we if we just keep asking those, those are the that guy who was wondering what to look for and ask for in a Lutheran. Just keep asking, where is this written, and what does this mean? And you'll get your answers. So uh, where is this written concerning the sacrament of the altar, Craig? Well, the holy evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul. You thought I was going to say John, but who I didn't. Who would have thunk St. Paul to be an evangelist? Well, he was. He was called. In, that was, that was an he evangelist. Was he was called. He was called. No, in this case it is. He's delivering the words and the deeds of Jesus. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after the supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This is called the conflated text. Meaning? Right? It's kind of bits and pieces of all of the above into one master text. It's closest to the... uh, to the the Pauline version in First Corinthians. Matter of fact, it it's not verbatim, is it? No, it's Pauline? not. No. It's not verbatim. First Corinthians eleven, but it's very very close to it. Right. it. That almost forms the outline from which the other, as you say, bits and pieces get glued in. But right. but but it's the Pauline text that probably is um, is the is most the, complete. The basis of it, right? Would would you say that's that's uh, that that would be the best choice if you're going to conflate the text to start with Paul? Uh, I well, you read them all and look for the commonalities and what's going on, and and Paul seems to uh, work with most of them. So I'd say sure. Which is the oldest account actually written? Uh, well, that's up for debate. Probably Mark. Paul, most likely. Really? Oh yeah, the Gospels were written to serve the epistles, not the other way around. See, I, I guess I wasn't there the day that they taught theology at seminary. <laughs> no, actually, I think it's Herman Zassi who points this out, um, that uh, the oldest written account is not the, not the synoptic accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but Paul's letter to a congregation. And that's significant for two reasons. One is Paul was not there on the night Jesus was betrayed. He was right. not at that table. And yet uh, he reports this as having received it from the Lord, he says in 1 Corinthians. What I received from the Lord, I handed on to you. Now, is that possible that it was mediated since he had studied under the apostles? No, he hadn't studied under the apostles. In fact, he denies vigorously that he had anything whatsoever to do with any of the apostles in Galatians. Okay. That that his gospel, the gospel that he preaches, is entirely from the Lord, because otherwise he would not be a full-blooded apostle at that point. They so could, direct revelation? Yep, yep. 
I mean, he, he gets it from the Lord. So it, it, what, that's the first significance is that it's somebody not of the original 12, that not of that inner circle that sat at table with Jesus on the night he was betrayed, but the odd guy, Paul. Secondly, it's to a Christian congregation that did not exist at the time of the institution. Right. In fact, it's largely a Gentile congregation, right. the Corinthians. Um, this tells us that Jesus' mandate to do this in my remembrance or do this in remembrance of me did not just simply end with that group at the table. You know, Luther said if we didn't have Paul's account, we would not be celebrating Lord's Supper in church hmm. because it would just be a historic record of what Jesus did on that Thursday night before the Friday he was crucified with his disciples. He, he had a little sort of special edition Passover. <laughs> but, but, uh, but that it was, it was taught by Paul, not one of the 11, and it was, it was done at Corinth in a congregation tells you that this is an abiding mandate for all times in the church. It's a key, it's a key thing for the church to be doing this. Now, what about Acts 2 also, where they dedicated themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the breaking of the bread and prayer and so forth and so on? Uh, isn't that breaking of the bread understood as the Lord's Supper, or is that the agape meal, or is it both? It's probably both in right. Luke's Luke parlance. But but again, Acts was written well after uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh-huh, right. Um, and, but, you know, and, and Acts was written by one who's not an apostle either. Yeah. So you have, that's why you, you have somebody teaching with direct apostolic authority uh, in the context of a Christian congregation. And, and so it's huge. So it makes sense that this would be the, the, um, uh, the, the liturgical expression. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are not writing liturgies so much, but, but Paul is. He's reminding the Corinthians of their liturgy, their divine service. They hear this every Sunday, so, so they know what he's talking about. Okay. So just, you know, pointing. The other thing is that, that they really come in pairs. Have you ever seen the four accounts just laid out in parallel? I don't think I have. It's, a, it's amazing how different they are and how they all come together at the words of Jesus. You know, if you have a red-letter Bible, it's, it's the words of Jesus there. In fact, this is one of the few red letters in the epistles. But they all come together with, this is my body. Um, and then the, the words over the cup vary. You know, this is my blood of the New Covenant or New Testament, or, yeah, or this is the New Testament in my blood. One emphasizing the, the covenant, the other emphasizing the blood. So which did he say? <laughs> Good luck. Um, and he probably, Jesus probably said it in Aramaic. So he did not say all, all that we have are, are translations and interpretations. Very good. Interesting. And, and Matthew and Mark are very close, and Luke and Paul, understandably, are very close, too. Luke's, Luke's account, when, of course, Luke, Luke is strange because he has another cup. He's got the second cup before the meal, and Jesus says, I'm not going to drink of the fruit of the vine again till I drink it anew with you in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, then he has the supper, then, or then he distributes the bread, then there's the supper, then there's another cup. You know, with Luke, you don't know, you have no clue as to what's <laughs> going on. But Luke really establishes that this is a Passover. I really appreciate Luke because he's, he's doing his investigative journalism here. Absolutely. He's a, he's a, true, he's a real historian. He you is. Know. And, and this also gives us a lot of ground for apologetics here also, that uh, these things can be investigated and checked out and verified and so forth and so on. Uh, although a lot of my Lutheran brethren hate the word apologetics, let alone the practice of it. But, mm, different uh, burden. Um, yeah. But, you know, the the point here is that when you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Paul in 1 Corinthians, 
it always comes together with the words of Jesus. This is my body, and, and this cup is my blood, or it's the New Testament in my blood. Body and blood are always central, you know, in these things. And unlike some of Jesus' metaphorical sayings, like, you know, I am the door, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the light of the world, there's no interpretation, there's no explanation. It's just simply flat out, you know, this is my body, and this cup is the new covenant or new testament of my blood. This is kind of a last will and testament kind of thing going on here with Jesus. He's leaving these guys with this gift, and this is a time where... In a, in a will, you're not going to speak figuratively. You're going to make sure that everybody understands what's going on here and who's getting what and why and so forth and so on. It's also the only covenant that you have legally that is one way. Uh, you don't have in our modern law world uh, a contract that's one way, like a will and, or a last will and testament. And so here Jesus is giving this one-way contract with his boys and he's giving him very much what he says, his body and blood, for the forgiveness of sins. Well, you got, you got a couple of things going. I mean, first of all, new covenant uh, brings you to Jeremiah, that I will make a new covenant, you know, remembering their sins no more, forgiving their iniquity. Uh, and it's also, as you say, yeah, he, is, he is giving the gifts, the fruits of his sacrifice, even before he makes the sacrifice. We're out of time. We'll see you next time on the God Whispers. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me.